Hey everybody and welcome to the Sunny 16 podcast, take two. This is episode three of the We Don't Need Aid section, um, although it turns out we probably do need aid because we just recorded 10 minutes of podcast without actually recording it. So this is, uh, yeah look, I'm bad at this, I'm really bad, but that's all right because I don't need to be good because I have an awesome team around me. Uh, I've got Rachel with me. Rachel, how are you? Hi Graham, I'm, I'm okay. You're really challenging me today because I'm partially losing my voice. I've got a really bad cold, and uh, and we've just done ten minutes of talking that wasn't recorded. So uh, so it's a good start. Yay! <laughs> can only get better from here on in. It can um, only I'm. Get Exactly, exactly. So uh, I've gone and got myself a, a nice warm cup of tea. Probably I'll be sticking the room in that later. And uh, I've got myself my blankets. I'm going to be uh, sort of like um, cozying um, up here uh, to make sure that I get through get through the podcast. But the nice thing is that we also have uh, a lovely special guest on uh, today. So hopefully you can steer the ship and do most of the talking between the two of you. Uh, and I'll sit here quietly coughing and sniffling in the background. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to give our listeners listeners uh, as much of a mental image as I have because obviously none of us are together um, but Rachel is apparently underneath a blanket uh, with candles all her- around her in, in, which sounds like a very cozy setting uh, also underneath a blanket sat on a sofa uh, everybody's making better life choices than I am this evening is our splendid guest uh, who is now going to attempt to repeat all the stuff she already had to um welcome to the podcast Isabel Kurd Isabel thank you so much for joining us Big apologies for making you do this once before, uh, but look, at least I caught it early, right? <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> oh, that was a wonderful test run. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We now know that all of our vocal we, cords are, are going well. Should we just check that you'll definitely press record this time, Graham? Absolutely, 100%. The thing is, when you do press record, there's a big red button that lights up and says recording, and the absence of that really should have stood out to me earlier. But look, this is a very technical business, and um, at least Aid will know when he listens to this, if he ever listens to it. He might not want to because he's he's some big superstar now because he's going to be on the Tips from the Top Floor podcast uh, with Chris Marquard on, uh, well, as this comes out, on Friday this week. So he might be just too big for his boots now and you might not deign to join us back on this podcast but if he does he'll know he's needed because i can't be trusted to deal with the technical side um never mind anyway back to isabel isabel joining us all the way from denmark um and so it's already getting later there for you so thank you so much for doing this um i first got to know your work when i took over from aid on twitter because you're really active on twitter and really joining with the conversation and and it was great getting to interact with you which encouraged me to go to your profile page find your website link and just go what what kind of work are you doing and it was so striking instantly so it was like oh my goodness this is this is really interesting stuff and um and such a body of work as well i mean We've myself, I, you know, a lot of us have got work on the internet, um, whether it's on Flickr or on Instagram, whatever. But with me and a lot of other people, it's a collection of fairly random images. Um, whereas your body of work is incredibly consistent, um, and that really makes for an incredible impact when you first visit your website. Um, let's start off with, uh, uh, well, as we did the last time around, can you just in two words, if you can, um, can you give us a description of, of what, you know, how would you describe your work? Because it is so distinctive. It's amazing how you came up with two words. I know. I'm good at this. I'm a precog. <laughs> so let me put it in one word. No, sorry. 
I love how Isabel is like, yeah, I'm just going to warn up you, whatever you say, Graham. She, she's a force to be reckoned with. I love it. Isabel, <laughs> what farmyard animal would you say most represents your... <laughs> I think I'll stick with the two words to describe my work style. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would call it dark dreams. Yes, dark dreams is very <laughs> apt. And anybody who is listening to this who is on an internet-enabled device should go and have a look. Um, your website is, is, let me just make sure I've got this exactly right, it is Isabel Curd. So it's um, I-S-A-B-E-L-C-U-R-D-E-S dot com um, and just have a look at the work and the great thing is you can kind of pick any of it and instantly get a feel for Isabel's style um, but it will be really great if you can have a look so you can kind of have a reference point for what we're talking about because I really want to talk not just about the different projects that you've done because there's quite a few different ones on there but also just about how you get to where you are with that work because I, I find a lot of it really fascinating Um but where I would like to start off is how photography came to be a part of your life um, because it's a fairly recent thing for you to be taking seriously um, and it, it's in a fairly, it seems a relatively short space of time, you've built up this very distinct defined body of work. How did you get into taking photography seriously? Yeah, Um I think I said that sometime before that... Uh... <laughs> Listen, d don't break the fourth wall. Nobody's noticed so far. Um, that um, I, I wish I was that person, um, like many photographers who could say, yeah, I got a camera from my dad and then everything started and I've been taking pictures for 30 years and I know everything about it, but um, that definitely wouldn't be true. Um, since, um, yeah, or until... 2012 I the only cameras I ever had in my hands and worked with were point and shoot cameras so I had no idea about aperture about uh, any settings I had never really looked into large format photography which I'm doing now to an extent um, and um, so that, that was a big change but the the major yeah force behind it I have to say the the thing that sparked <clears throat> Sorry, my passion for photography. That was um, that in 2007, so 10 years ago now, and I checked dates this morning because I'm really, really bad with dates. I actually had a burnout in my old job. And um, it was um, when I now look back, and it was the worst time of my life, but it was also the best time of my life. It was a time of my life that changed everything for me that um, even uh, a few years later, I, I made me quit my job, my old job, and um, really start over as an artist and try that side of me, give it some space. And um, it was during a uh, three-month uh, sabbatical that I had in uh, Norway, where I went all on my own to a lighthouse there, that I discovered that Photography was something that I wanted to look into deeper, that there was some spark or something that it sparked inside of me that I knew, okay, that's, that is an area. I, when, I, when I look through a camera, I can see the world with different eyes and it helped me actually to recover. It was kind of a lifesaver to, to see the world differently and not look at the, 
at the past, but look at the at the here and now at that point in time. So that was um, what got me started. So it was basically in 2007. And then following some years of experimentation in 2012, that I started my what you now say body of work. So it's really not it's five years. Yeah, I suppose it, it really doesn't seem like a very long time at all, does it? Um, nope. <laughs> so, uh, you said you when you before the breakdown that you were just using point and shoots, um, and then you it sounds like almost discovered photography again, or for the first time perhaps in a, in a meaningful way. Um, what were your f- first steps into realizing that this was something which could be meaningful to you. What 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 was the um, epiphany moment of oh I can create art with this um, beyond just capturing the world around me in a you know photographic way? Um, mm. Was there something or, or was it just a process of evolution where you were taking a lot of pictures and you suddenly realised that you were being drawn to different things and did that inform you or was there a light bulb moment? There was, uh, in a way, there was a light bulb moment. There was a moment during that sabbatical, and it actually had nothing to do with photography, as a, with a, with having a camera in my hand. But it was a moment that I will never forget. It was a moment where I was walking, and I was, um, I was feeling dark, and the world around me didn't look too promising. It was probably a few weeks into my sabbatical, two or three weeks into, and. Um, and there was a moment when I suddenly saw a, a leaf. It was uh, autumn, I should say. Um, there was, so there was a leaf falling from a tree. And in that moment, I knew if I caught that leaf, if I could hold it in my hands, that the world would look different after that. And it actually did. That sounds now very spiritual and very scary probably to many people. But but for me it was a it was a light bulb moment, and um, the world really it did change, and I heard the sounds clearer around me, and for the first time in many many years I saw the beauty around me with different eyes. I could really I, I could suddenly see the small things at the side of the road that I had not paid attention to before. I saw small objects I got glimpses of something um, where I then checked and it was a tree that had a shape like a troll or something like that so there was that light bulb moment and um, I think based on that I was um, I've always been trying to to get this magic and that this mystery or beauty into my photography and of, of course in a way and that's why I said dark dreams before it's still um, I, I can see it like this now. I can see it now like a, like a child can see it. But there is, of course, all the experience, all the emotions um, from all those years uh, as an adult that play a big role that makes it darker. The melancholy, the, the bad things, the, the um, yeah, yeah. light, basically, that, that plays an, another role in it. So it's not the bubblegum dreams. It's um it's interesting. You've written on your blog. Um, I mean, not very much, but I'm not going to criticize because you've written more than I have on my blog. But you did write fairly recently um, because obviously these things don't just go away and anxiety and struggling with these things is still a part of your life that you have to deal with. And obviously, in some ways, it 
partially drives the creative process. The fact that the creative process is needed to help you deal with it, um, and and also it, and it's partly reflected through your photography, but it is also a barrier to your photography because um, from what you've written, you sometimes you find it as a lot of people can do when they get into those dark places of feeling you just can't do anything um how 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 helpful is photography at pulling you out of those feelings when you are down like that um i i think in in general it uh, it reminds me to it reminds me that I can see the world with different eyes. It's the the second when I have a camera in front of me, I yeah, I start to dream in the end. I think that that best describes it. Um, it it's it's like a dream. It's uh, the start of a dream. It's when I look at the ground glass or through the viewfinder, um, there is just something that tells me. That there is there is more than just the darkness of the moment that I might feel. Yeah, there is beauty in that moment. There is beauty in that darkness, in a way, and that helps me to cope with it more easily. Yeah. It will not make it go away. That I, I call it darkness for, because that's for me how it feels. But that darkness is always there in a way. But um, I, I've learned that the less I fight it, the more I accept it as part of my work, the easier it is to handle it. That's really interesting. I mean, it's probably worth mentioning that, that before before you got into this, um, you were in a fairly high-powered business world for 25 years, I think. Um, yes. So you, you had a, a long and very successful career, uh, and I would imagine a fairly high-stress career that allowed very little in the way of time for creative outlets or anything like that um nearly time yeah um i i your work it when i look at it it's um because of the way that the techniques that you're using it it always feels to me like it is the world uh one step to the side it's, it's as if it's the, it's the the layer behind this world we're in front of it it's never it's never just oh this is the real world it's a a separated version uh, and and, and I, I asked because it's something that i sometimes wonder about just in general with photography um, and why a lot of us are drawn to it is by looking through a camera you're already putting kind of an insulating layer between you and the outside world um, and obviously, when you're making the 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 choices, the artistic choice that you make, that's much more defined. It's not just well, there's ground glass between me and them. It's like no, I'm I'm making choices which actually separates the world that I'm living in in this camera from the real world. Is is that something that you're deliberately doing to kind of remove yourself from the the real world that's causing you stresses out there? Yeah, it is my go through world or go to world. It's um, there's also something about go through because that's what I do. I um, usually when I'm when I'm uh, yeah in a, in a dark mood or something, I'll, I like to go walking and I like to take my camera with me. So I walk actually through that dream world when I then look through my camera, and I, I create it in a way that it helps me to cope. 
and it's been the place it's my my retreat my escape place since i've been a kid basically yeah it's always been there but uh, i only started yeah a few years ago to to put it into pictures that i can actually show to others as well the the thing about your work that really stands out to me is that it's a, an incredible blend because a lot of the subject matter, because most of what you're shooting is nature and landscape, essentially, some of it very up close and detailed, some of it more broad scale landscape. Um, but it seems that could be very familiar, woodlands and what have you. Um, but through the combination of um, what well, seems to be just raw technical skill in the way that you're creating the images in the first place and then how you're choosing to process them afterwards to give them that feel they have a, a very um, distinct look to them um, I know that part of that is down to the equipment that you like to use so could you just talk us through a bit of the the main tools that you're using and and how they affect the look of your work yeah the the main uh, cameras that I use um, are now that it's basically a Hasselblad a Hasselblad 2000, then a Hasselblad flex body, and actually a 4x5 camera with uh, full movements. So I've also decided to not go with any limitations there, but because I need all those movements. I need the possibility to tilt and shift reality in a way, or swing it around. And I think that's, um, that, that's what I like to do a lot. And that's how I create that look, that kind of feel that there is something beyond it's already a step further, not only in place, but in time. It's still real enough that people can see that, that it's a real place. And I don't do anything in Photoshop to it, to, to change it. But what I do is I, I use the cameras and I especially use movements and uh, a very shallow depth of field to create a look that takes it that one step further than the real world. Um, and... Were these things, did you kind of have this mental image in your mind of, oh, this is what I want to achieve and now I need to find the source to do it? Or was it the other way around? Did you come to cameras with movements and go, oh, I can do this. This is what I want to do. It's it's probably a combination of both. I'm, I'm really, I love experimenting. I'm like a kid in a, um, in a wonderland when I can start doing things and trying things out and see how it works. And um, so it's, um, I had, I had a basic idea what I wanted. I had a basic um, vision, what I wanted to create. And then um, by extensive experimentation with uh, lots of equipment, also different lenses. I love using soft focus lenses now um, to give it a very soft, dreamy look. And so, but I've, I've, been through so much equipment i don't even want to talk about it <laughs> <laughs> it's been filling more than just a few shelves <laughs> we're all just jealous that's the problem we're all just jealous of this fact you got these oh never mind toys are fun <laughs> but uh, i think in that combination of the experimentation with those different tools i found out how I can create what I want to create. And it also, every time I, I, I found something, there was also then, I m might have found something also that I didn't expect, but that got me even one step closer to what I wanted to. And I didn't even know that I wanted that. Okay, that sounds now completely <laughs> bonkers. 
No, no, I, I know exactly what you mean. It's not necessarily something you set out to achieve, but it was a happy accident along the way that you've kind of gone, ah, actually, that that does capture what I was, you yeah. know, th- th- instinctively, that's how I feel that works nicely for me aesthetically, and I want to pursue that further. So, no, that t- does t- make total sense, even though I can see why you were like, this is making no sense at all, but it, yeah. it does. Don't worry, it does. Um, actually, Isabel, I had a question about your, um, your because obviously the majority vast majority of your work or that that you shared that I've seen anyway um tends to be of a monochrome um but with this beautiful toning and I wondered how and that's for me one of the very distinctive parts of your imagery as well it's with this almost sepia but not quite sepia kind of beautiful tones to it and I wondered if you could talk us through um why and how you've uh, got to that point of that being uh, part of your distinctive style mm. It's, um, I've actually tried many different tonings. From the beginning, it was very clear for me that um, it's prob- I'm, I'm never going to be a color photographer. I, I like mm-hmm. color in some ways, and some pictures deserve color. That's all fine. But um, the essence of my work is, is very monochromatic. And, um, but I, I noticed pretty quickly that black and white didn't give me the, the soft, dreamy feel that I wanted. It was... Mm-hmm. I know many people say that black and white is already uh, the, the most abstract way you can imagine things. But for me, th- there was something missing. There was, in a way, there was a softness missing to it. Mm. Um, it was too harsh. So I started experimenting with lots of different tones. I have so many toning presets. Um, <laughs> I, I can fill books with it. Um, <laughs> so I had blue and gold, and I was experimenting with, with some more reddish colors and and until, um, yeah, until one day, also as a happy accident, I came across this kind of sepia, but not real sepia. I just, yeah, it was just experimenting, in this case, with uh, sliders in uh, Lightroom and Photoshop. Do you know, it does feel very um, wet plate to me, very collodion wet plate. Um, like, it's that not quite black and white it's got still that warmth and that dreaminess to it um and I don't know whether that's because I saw in your um I think in your emulsive interview um there was I think of the selection of images you had on there there was one that was color and it kind of just jumped out as gosh this is so different you know from all the rest of your work and and I was thinking where did that come from out of left field you know kind of thing um and I I also saw that you'd you said that you'd um done a workshop with John Brewer um who obviously I also did a my wet plate workshop with and is fabulous guy and uh, hopefully we'll speak to him at some point in the future um but uh, I wondered if that came before or after you kind of getting towards this preset or is this just something that I'm bringing to it from my own sort of, you know, feelings that it looks like. Other way around. I Mm -hmm. kind of looked at wet plate because I liked these kinds of tonings so much. Mm And uh, I could see that I could maybe achieve it um, with wet plate. And I really enjoyed the workshop. It's Mm -hmm. it's brilliant. I can only recommend trying that. But in the end, I found that for me, um, I'm, I'm... I'm experimenting more now in the direction of alternative printing and not going with glass plates, though I really Mm. enjoyed it. And I have some uh, nice reminders of that workshop. 
you use quite a lot of hybrid techniques, don't you? Obviously, using yeah. the large format cameras and and what have you. But uh, but also, you know, similar to myself, I like the the way that we we've got access to all of these different techniques and technologies now. So it's lovely to know that you're also you know bringing some of the old traditional techniques, but using new processes as well that can help you achieve what you're what you're after. Yeah, <clears throat> for me, it's really it's it's finding the 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 best way to um to get what i want in the end so simple and if it's a hybrid that's fine for me i've i've also used a digital bag for quite a while i still have it though i hardly ever use it now and um when i when i do uh, alternative printing i use digital negatives as well as uh, film negatives so i'm i'm open to everything as long as it fills my need for creativity and for experiment and gives me what I want in the end, I couldn't care less if it if someone calls it digital or analog. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. very that's a very good attitude to have. I was having a conversation um, with I think it was with Rob Poole uh, on Instagram and mm-hmm. the discussion of well, some people say it's cheating if you do this or cheating if you do, and it's like oh my goodness, what is, what are, <laughs> those people can go to hell. I mean, what? cheating or what? <laughs> I know. It's like, this is yeah, my who, who exactly are you cheating? Yeah. yeah so I mean, like Aid uses his Fuji, but he prints out on analog, you know, on his instant things, and I think we all just find a way of working that works for us that makes it makes us happy that gives yeah. us that that joy really you know so yeah we have yeah. All possibilities now exactly. it, it couldn't be any better we can do whatever we want we can print in any way we want we can take photos i i love taking photos with old film cameras and put a digital back on it yeah I still get the look i want <laughs> yeah why not Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you do so as well as doing the experimenting with the equipment that you're using and the techniques that you're using. You've also um, mucked around with some different techniques, just in terms of how you're shooting. There's some really interesting double exposure work on your site, yeah. which I really like. Um, you've got the the cities in the clouds, uh, which is very cool, mm-hmm. and um, the one I particularly like. Uh, the few pictures you've got uh, of the memories of ghosts, um, yeah. which is super mm-hmm. cool. Uh, just a really um, an idea that I've, you know, just like, oh, I've not seen a picture like that before. Um, do you want to d- describe what it is and, and how the idea came to you? So the cities in the clouds, that is actually inspired by um, the work of uh, Harry Callahan. He did some amazing architectural double exposures where he turns the camera um, 180 degrees to take the second exposure. And that, that might sound easy, but when you have a Hasselblad, <laughs> with a, <laughs> not so easy. <laughs> with a viewfinder, um, no, <laughs> it suddenly turns into quite a challenge. <laughs> but it's it's amazing when it works and when you get it right. And um, there was, uh, I was trying to. One of the pictures there is uh, is actually um, a fabric, uh, a uh, what would you call it, industrial company here not too far from where I live and I thought how can I make that all that uh, stuff that's coming out of their chimneys how can I make that look nice so I made the cloud factory and I turned it around so it was looking like it was just flowing on clouds Um, and that that it's just that that little extra and it, it's. Um, I thought that was an amazingly cool thing to do, and the the memories of ghosts. That's um, double exposures where, where luckily I had a friend of mine who 
agreed to uh, pose naked <laughs> for those pictures because I wanted that combination of um, uh, raw human and raw nature in a way. It was taken in the uh, late autumn, so it was quite cold, so he had to suffer. <laughs> 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 Luckily, he's facing away from people in the picture, so you know his pride will not be damaged. No, <laughs> and it—it it was also—it was not about him or his face. That's why you don't see the face. I didn't want to make it a personal picture of someone. I just wanted that—that that memory of a human having been there. Mm. So um, that was, um, and they—they they were all done, of course, in camera. And that, that way, I think you can achieve a look that you can't do digitally. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I just love the kind of the, the translucency of the figure in the pictures. It, as you yeah. said, I, I don't it, – it, it feels – it's it's a very um, – yeah, I don't – you could get quite that feel with digital because it's – because of the fact that in depending on whereabouts he is with regards to the light, you know, in some areas he's more substantial than in others. And, um, yeah, it, it's it's very effective. I said that one on, on your website. It's Memories of Ghosts, and I definitely recommend anybody check that out. That's very cool. If anybody has a friend who will go and stand out in the woods naked for them, then, um, you know, give it a go. <laughs> <laughs> give it a go. <laughs> can highly recommend that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Graham's getting all sorts of ideas now, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Some of your clients, when you go and do your gardening, are going to get a bit of a shock, aren't they, this week? <laughs> it's getting it's getting a bit cold here as well. Actually, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> not sure. I, yeah, I'll wait till summer before I uh, investigate those ideas further. Um, I mean, as you've started, um, I, I was looking on your book. You've even started making your own books now with this stuff, haven't you, Isabel? Yeah, I uh, published my first book this year. And Woo, uh, congratulations! Yeah, thank you. <laughs> It's uh, all homemade. So from the ideas, the pictures, even the poetry, I write my own poems, um, to the the printing, the binding, um, and the publishing. Um, I've uh, I've decided to all do that to do that blah, 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 to do that all myself. So um, that's uh, that was quite an adventure. It was really good. I actually had a nice workshop um, when I decided that I wanted to have a Oh, when I got the idea that it would be really good for some of my projects to have them in book form, I went on a nice workshop with Eddie Ephraims in the UK. Oh, and yeah, a bit of book binding. Yeah, it's amazing. Exactly. And uh, that was uh, two absolutely great days where I learned how to do that. And it worked uh, wonderfully well. For Yeah, it, it resonates with it, with the kind of... Um, inspiration that I get from books and a lot of my projects they are kind of like short stories they are um they just belong together in a way they're not single pictures they, they kind of develop like uh, a walk through a forest or something like that so it's uh, it's uh, really cool to have them in book form and the next book is already in preparation awesome how far along is it on the pathway to, to being a thing um, I'm actually learning something new for that book because I've uh, decided. <laughs> can I just say, right? There is a real recurring thread through all the awesome women we get on this podcast with you and with Rachel uh -oh. and with Tina yeah. and with Sarah. Uh, and like all of you, like, oh, I'm going to learn another thing. I'm going to do another thing. It's like, oh my goodness, stuff already. Just stop doing more stuff. <laughs> 
you tell me off about this all the time Graham I'm like yeah but something new but I want to learn I want to absorb and be a sponge and know more and uh, yeah it's uh, it keeps us going it makes us happy <laughs> clearly and then you have no time anyway sorry yeah. Isabel carry on about the new thing that you're learning in this time in this case it's something different I'm learning calligraphy don't let Graham squash your dreams that's all I can say don't (laughs) let him squash your dreams Isabel you go for it (laughs) oh well I am already I want to handwrite the poems in the books by by hand I kind of I I like the way I had um, yeah the poems in in the first book but I think they they need to be they need to get an even more personal touch so I want to handwrite that and um, I can't do that with my normal handwriting. <laughs> with a biro. <laughs> <laughs> Magic marker it. It'll be fine. I'm, I'm, okay. Magic I'm, marker. <laughs> I'm intrigued. Well, not intrigued. We talked a bit before we started recording. Um, obviously, now, you you quit the day job, the you know, the 25-year-long working in a high-pressure job, um, to focus on your art not just photography but also your poetry and apparently also your bookbinding and calligraphy as well and god knows what else by the end of this week Um, and painting yeah and also painting um but um you 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 were saying that you know you are starting well okay if this is how i'm going forward in my life how do i make this work as a career as essentially a business and um and you know you've You've got twenty-five years' experience doing this in the top end. So I'm, I'm sure that these you're clearly somebody who knows how to uh, make smart decisions and knows how money works. You're not saying oh, it'll be fine, and I'll just fritter through my savings and not worry about it. Um, are you? Do you, have you thought about the pathway forward? Because I, I know you said on the, um, the John Wilkening podcast that you don't. You're not the kind of person who will go out every day and shoot. You you shoot when you feel like you're in the right frame of mind to go out and take some photographs. Um, But obviously, as things move forward and this transitions from being a hobby and I think you're doing for enjoyment and for the the restorative feelings that come from it into a thing that you need to do to to keep you going to make a living for you, um, have you sort of thought your way through that about how you can do that and still keep the love you have for it, the the things that it brings to you and the enjoyment you get from it? I'm still, um, of course, I had a plan. I've been uh, working in finance for 25 years, so we always have plans and um, also financial plans. Um, but it's, um, I knew that it would also be a lot of, or a very steep learning curve to find out what I want to do, how I want to do it. Um, I've started, or... In, in parallel, I'm also taking um, like uh, jobs to take portraits of someone or something like that to finance my my real passion for mm. my own work. Um, and it's when I say when I say that um, I go out and take pictures when it feels right, then that's true for my own work. I can still because I I know the technicalities, I can still do good pictures also when it doesn't feel right. So um, I, I have the option at least to um, offer someone um, portraits or photograph uh, a location or whatsoever um, and do that very well. It will just not necessarily have 
the same depth that my own work has. Sure, sure. So, so, and and that's options there. Then there is, of course, the books. There is um, prints that I want to sell, and there is actually something else I have in preparation, and that is workshops. And I'm not mm. talking about workshops like so many people can do so much better than I. Um, uh, so it's not a location workshop or a technical workshop or whatever, but there will be workshops along the line of um, from from vision to print. So how can you create your own vision and how can you get it into any kind of print or work that you want to show to others? But that's early stages. So something new to learn. <laughs> no, that's well, yeah. it, it's really interesting. And it really does speak to um, the uh, ever recurring conversations that I have with Rach is that um, but yeah, like making making a living just out of being a fine art photographer as you, as you are, and just from selling prints and things like I, I, I seems almost an, an insurmountable um, challenge for anybody. So, like like Rachel's constantly making her career in photography it, it's, it's all constant diversification. I mean, you yep. do so much, Rach. It's insane. Yeah. Well, it's it's diversifying and it's it's evolving, isn't it? You you kind of you take the projects that um you know they don't necessarily uh, I think from my own personal view they don't necessarily have to you know be the best paying or whatever it's it's about whether they are interesting creatively and if there's other value you know when I say value it's about how is it of value in terms of either what I'm learning or how I can improve in techniques or you know all sorts of different things and and it does keep life interesting um but it you know equally it can end up meaning that you do get overwhelmed and you get ill <laughs> and all these kinds of things that are currently happening um so uh, it's difficult balance um and yeah trying to um you know at the end of the day make make a living put food on the table and things like that is is something that um that's a challenge uh it's it's not an easy thing for for me um i think we uh, you know it's it's really interesting speaking to isabel especially because we come from very different um background in terms of obviously uh with yourself isabel having like a, a career in finance and things like that you know for me i was like that's completely you know not uh been part of my life in a way you know uh, that i've ever necessarily um thought about it I, I think i'm more of the graham school of thought with that <laughs> it's just like oh well <laughs> let's just see what happens um uh so so yeah but um equally you know i do still have to be able to make a living and, and kind of like um you know keep a roof over our heads and all those sorts of things so uh, that's a constant learning challenge challenge for me as well um but as, as different as we are in that sense from what you've you've been talking about you know and, and obviously how you came to analog photography and, and photography in general there are some very similar parallel kind of like stories here for us obviously you've come to it through uh, from a from a breakdown and what have you and I came to it through grief and losing my mum and various other um sort of like family members and things and equally you know you you ran away to a lighthouse I ran away to a uh, uh, a barn in the middle of nowhere in the in the Lake District so um yes. and, and we've both kind of found photography doing through that really so it's yeah. it's interesting to see how you know uh, it's it's kind of like with writing and and things I was having a conversation with uh, somebody the other day about this you know that um writers 
tend to be people who come from such diverse and different walks of life and and are kind of like drawn together by their sort of like shared love of something like writing uh, so you've got from accountants and bookkeepers and farmers and you know uh, warehousemen and all sorts of things but they could all still be writers or poets or what have you and, and it's the same with photography you know we've um, we've got aid who potentially you know sort of works in finance we've got Graham who's a gardener and and everybody who's got such different um outside lives shall we say we have this kind of like open secret almost that we also were drawn together by analog and by photography and by using that tool in order to be able to demonstrate um our vision of of our world and document that and show that in some way so uh, yeah sorry it's been a bit of a rambling uh, uh, conversation but um it's just been really nice to hear hear your thoughts and approach and, and some of the similarities to my own sort of um entry into the uh, into the analog photography world it's been really nice thank you very much isabel <laughs> thank you um, isabel following on from the conversation we had last week with thomas um you have got some work being shown next year at the connection 2018 um it's not what is the yeah what is connection 2018 and also what are you doing there so connect it's actually i think it's called connected 2018 if okay. i'm not Completely. But Wh- if people whatever wonder, it's called, it's the worst name for Googling ever. <laughs> okay. Um, so tell us where it is and when it is um, um, and <laughs> what it is. <laughs> it's, uh, it's in Nottingham. It's uh, beginning of April 2018. And it is actually an exhibition from photographers for photographers. And um, I, I was invited to come there as a guest speaker. And I will be talking about my inspiration, what probably also what got me to photography and how do I create pictures from the vision that I have. And um, looking at some of the other um, guest speakers that are going to be there, it's going to be a, a great event. It uh, sounds lovely. There's also a big slot for people to exhibit their work um for everyone who wants to join but i think those spots are probably all gone already so that was pretty popular and um yeah i'm I'm looking forward to it i'm really nervous about it it's only the second time that i really do um a bigger exhibition and really talk about my work directly to people unless in one-on-one conversations or in small teams or small groups but i think it's going to be brilliant that does sound awesome how did it come about that is a good question that, that you probably would have to ask uh, Rob about uh, <laughs> because he invited me. We, I think we talked about it last year when the last uh, Connected 2017 ended and we got into a conversation and I, I, um, I, I thought it would have been nice if I had been there and seen all the work from the other photographers and then he already said, yeah, maybe you're coming next year. And then I just got an email or a, actually a direct message on uh, on Twitter saying if, if I was up to it. So pretty much similar like the invitation to Sunny Six. <laughs> <laughs> All the best things work like that. All the best things. Um, uh, it's, it's, it must be quite a strange thing to... Uh, I know, I've realised that this is a... <laughs> Highly hypocritical thing, as we're here on a podcast, but um, to to stand in front of an audience and talk about the sort of the creative aspect of your work in terms of like trying to explain to people how you how you get it because it is such a personal thing, isn't it? I mean, as you said, a lot of a lot of what makes your pictures so unique and distinctive is is that it's what 
It's the what you're choosing to draw out from the scenes because the scenes themselves often are scenes that a lot of people will look at and a lot of people might have taken similar photos to, but it's it's how you're using the tools, the movements in the camera to um, highlight certain areas and completely you know blur out other areas, how you're using um, the toning in Lightroom, how you're, you know, your film choice and stuff like to give it such a, a very distinct look. Um, that just saying, well, you go to this place and take a picture of a tree. I mean, no one else is going to get the same result as you. So it's, it must be quite hard to share that with an audience. Yeah, I'm, I'm a bit, I think that's the aspect I'm, I'm most scared about, that people will not understand me. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that probably would have been a better <laughs> thing to ask after you've done it rather than put the fear into you beforehand. Sorry about that. <laughs> No, no, that works quite well already. <laughs> no, but it's. Um, I hope that I will be able to show that with pictures, and to to um, to give people an idea how I do it, what I do exactly there, and maybe guide them even or show them how a picture evolves from the negative at least uh, to the uh, to the final final print. That, um, that sound like that would be very cool and very useful because a, a lot of a lot of like myself the technique side of things is often completely mystifying and you look at something and go I love that I, I wonder how because even if you don't want to reproduce it yourself by learning yeah. how it was done you can take aspects of it and, and to introduce it into your own workflow that does sound awesome are you taking some of your own work to display there as well yes I am so um, is it stuff that we will is already on your website or is this new stuff I actually don't know yet. <laughs> I think it will probably be a combination. It's something, um, at the moment, I would say it's the stuff that I have to be on the safe side, but um, I'm very sure that in a week from now or in two weeks, there I have something else that I definitely want to have with me there. I don't know yet when the, when the deadline will be, but um, I guess I will have a little more time to create also some new work until then. And given all the things that you're interested in doing and all of the new techniques you're learning, what is the thing at the moment that you're most excited about doing in the near future? What is what is the thing that you're like, oh, God, I wish I wish I could be out there doing that right now instead of talking to this idiot who keeps forgetting to record stuff? I think it would probably be a bit too dark right now, but I would love to. Um, no, it's actually it doesn't matter because it would be in the dark room anyway. I would love to spend more time on um, alternative printing techniques. I really, really, really want to get into anything from uh, cyanotypes over um, gum printing into uh, platinum palladium. And that, that's really ex extremely high on my list. I was very lucky and I got a used uh, UV box, uh, which I now just have to find a safe place for, and then I'm, I'm good to go. So that will be the next step because I have a feeling that that will exactly be the part that's still missing from the printing side for my work to get it that give it that extra step again to bring it another step forward yeah and that, I, I can really see that working <laughs> no that sounds wonderful um I suppose I think the last question I want to ask uh, there's loads of stuff I got but we need to take a break but the last thing I want to ask is just kind of regarding your pictures and and the world you created when you look your pictures um you know your, your scenes of the woodlands and stuff like that are there a place you want to be yourself do you look at it and go oh yeah that's my safe place i want to go there or do you look at that and kind of go i'm glad this is on the picture i'm glad that this is out of my head and onto this picture 
Now, I actually feel safe in my pictures, in all of them, even the darkest ones. That's really it's interesting. A, for me, it is a, it's, a, it's a safe place. It's a safe darkness. And it also is kind of, it, it gives me the confirmation that those dark times, they, are, they don't have to be scary. That's a great. More, yeah, it's more curiosity. It's more the mystery behind it. I'm more intrigued by that and not so much scared. That's wonderful. What, what a great way of taking control of things that can otherwise overwhelm us. Um, it's, it really is a, a, just a really example of uh, externalizing something and making it um, easy to deal with when it's internally difficult. Because uh, I look at your pictures and I just assume there's a pack of wolves around every corner waiting to maul me. <laughs> but, that, but that might be my own internal problems. <laughs> and the dragons, they are really tame. They're actually quite cute. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll take your word for it you're 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 of in strange lands there um we will take a break now and when we come back i don't know what will happen it'll be really good though so stay with us everyone And we're back from the break. And after all that uh, really interesting talk about fine art and high-quality photography, we'll now get back to the nonsense I've been up to, um, which, as per usual, isn't very much. Although I did have the rare treat this weekend of meeting up with one Hamish Gill off of uh, 35MMC blog. Um, the pair of us met up uh, briefly in Worcester, um, Hamish's hometown. Uh, both of us were a little bit the worse for wear, um, Hamish far more so than me, because despite the fact that he apparently does it quite a lot, he's still not very good at handling his alcohol. So our first stop when we met up was to go to the garage to get some paracetamol. Um, I don't think that can have done the job, though, because a little bit later we found ourselves in the pub and Hamish uh, asked the question that I have never heard asked before. He said, can you recommend a beer to help me get over a hangover? Um, uh, she's a, a new one on me, a hangover curing beer, but there you go. Uh, the bartender still served him up with one that apparently did the job. So um, it was lovely to meet Hamish. Uh, it was even lovelier to pinch from him for a brief time at least his Leica M3 or one of his Leica M3s he has very kindly lent me one because uh, I have, may have been a tad dismissive of Leica in the past on the podcast as I have said often purely out of jealousy so I'm going to be making the most of the opportunity over the next few weeks to really try it out and just see if I can figure out what all the fuss is about it um, see if I think it's worth the hype um and i think it's got an uphill struggle i'll be honest because stacked against it is one the fact that it's completely out of my price range so i don't even want to like it because if i like it i'll just feel sad forever when i give it back um and two i don't get a chance to do much street photography or anything like that so i don't know how well it'll fit in with the kind of work that i do so it will be really interesting to see that if despite these things it can still be something that's enjoyable to shoot for me um i hope so um isabel you you used to have a like didn't you am i right in saying that yes you're absolutely right and some of the pictures on my blog were actually shot with a liker but go. it was a digital one <laughs> a digital one do, do you think as somebody who has used one do you think that i'm going to fall in love with it once i've used it for a bit no no <laughs> Okay, well there you go. <laughs> I mean, I say, it will be cheaper for you, Graham. <laughs> oh God, I, I really hope I don't. I don't think I can bear the heartbreak if I do. I mean, I, I have, I have, as I was commenting on the um, the Instagram post today, 
I am. It's it's good actually because it's going to motivate me to take more pictures because I've barely taken any lately, and so I am going to be trying to take quite a lot because more so than what the image quality is like from it because the lens that is on it um, is a um, Jupiter lens. It's a Russian lens, which is great because I love good Russian lenses, but you know it's not one of these super fancy dancy Leica lenses or anything like that. So it's not really about the optics. That's not what I'm particularly interested in. In fact, I think I've got the same lens on a, my Kiev rangefinder. If I wanted to see what that lens looked like, I could try it. It's really about what that shooting experience is like. You know, what's the you know the the, the shutter mechanism which is such an important thing to so many people and the focusing and 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 you know I mean I'll say one thing that I've already realized Boy, is that viewfinder good. The, the focusing patch is incredible compared to some of the less incredible ones that I've got. Um, yeah, it's pretty great. So looking forward to trying that out and uh, I will report back on that. We're hoping to have Hamish on before Christmas. He's going to come and uh, I guess he's probably going to try and peel it out of my cold, dead hands. Um, good luck with that, Hamish. But um, <laughs> I, 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 by that point, I will report back then on how I've got on. And I'm hoping I might even get a chance to do some sort of comparison photographs with other cameras, which... Could be a competitor for it. I've got a Canon Canonet QL3 or something. <laughs> I definitely should know the name of that. You say you've got a Kiev as well. And I've also got a, got a Kiev, Kiev yeah. Well. I've got a Kiev. Not a chicken Kiev, unfortunately, just the Kiev. <laughs> um, so I might try and, and if I get time, to sh just run films through those again. Just say, okay, what, what is the difference here? But we shall see. So um, thank you very much, Hamish, for learning me that. I promise I will take very good care of it. Although the pictures that come out of it will probably still be hot garbage. But uh, it'll be fun hot garbage anyway, as long as I can manage to load it again. He did show me very patiently how to load it. I think I forgot five seconds after he told me. But um, Rach, what have you been up to? <laughs> Because it's undoubtedly far more than I have. No, that's super interesting. I'm really excited to uh, to see what you get out of the uh, out of the Leica. Um, it's something that I've been um, wanting to uh, to have a go with myself at some point. So uh, it would be it would be good to to see what you come up with. Have you got some films specifically that you're thinking of shooting with it? I, I would I would like to just shove some of my go to HP5 in there because I know that um, at the moment because you got, know it yeah yeah <laughs> what's in there at the moment is some Fomapan 400 um, which I have never shot before um, so it's not the best place to start off with anything like oh this is a completely unfamiliar film sure. and and also it's a completely unfamiliar film which um, I think it was M was saying only a couple of weeks ago that he's had quite negative experiences with trying to deal with it I'm like oh boy <laughs> but it was the one that I had. So um, I'm, I'm going to sort of get through that, and as I said, it, it's it's it, well, it'll be what it'll be. I'm I'm not expecting to get any great art out of it because I don't think I'll have any time to go anywhere other than work to take pictures. Um, mm. And black and white. You're going to have to up your shooting rate as well, aren't you, to get oh. through get through the films? So. Yeah, <laughs> I am. I am. I'm going to try and crack through two or three roles over the next few weeks which might sound like absolutely nothing to most people listening to this but that's like half a year's worth of shooting for me so <laughs> it's going to be quite a mission sounds but... like luck to me <laughs> yeah exactly exactly uh it's, it's hard work because you're you're all medium and large format now is that correct Isabel? Why? Why is that? What is it about those um two formats over and above the 35 mil that, that work for you it's um it's the shallow depth of field that I can get. Mm -hmm. The the look of the files and the, the pictures is definitely different. There is a is a different feel to it. And it definitely is of course the movements I can get from the cameras that I cannot get with thirty-five millimeter. 
Mm. There is, uh, in, in many of your pictures, the stunning contrast, especially on the large format work that you've done, between those incredibly lovely soft blurred out areas and then the incredible detail in the areas that you've chosen to put in focus because, you know, it's a 4 by 5 neg. It's, uh, it's, as you said, you just couldn't get that with any other any other tool in the arsenal. So, um, no, that's cool. So, yeah, like I said, wait with bated breath to hear my... Uh, in-depth highly technical review of the Leica in a few weeks time it shoots good um anyway Rachel <laughs> what have you been up to um yes so I've been doing various various different things I uh, as you probably know I've been doing some uh, lecturing at the university and uh, one of the one of the lectures was with the experimental film students so that was really interesting seeing what they'd come up with it was for their first uh, assignment and it was basically one minute um with the idea being that they had one mood or one emotion or one word that they were going to be capturing within that within the one minute um so it's lovely to see the differences that they come up with when you're going for something as simple or brief as give us one word and show us an experimental film uh, that covers covers that feeling or that emotion so um there was lots of discussion of German expressionism and uh, there were interesting uh, hand shadow puppets and lots of good lighting and different new sort of like processes that they were investigating. Um, I should say this is all shot on uh, digital, but I think it's a really interesting place to start for, for the students because uh, it helps me to look into things a little bit more as well. And it starts uh, giving me additional ideas and more inspiration and all sorts of things that I can then sort of take into uh, the rest of my week and uh, you know sort of like noting things down in a notebook and ideas from that could potentially lead on to something a project you know months or even years down the line so uh, so it's always good to have have conversations with with new sort of non-jaded new people to the industry is always is always good and always good fun um so I really enjoyed that earlier in the week and I got to deliver some storytelling training on Thursday um and I was running a wedding stall uh, wedding fair yesterday um but I exciting news for me I got an email earlier in the week saying that I've actually won a commission to produce some artwork for a commercial building in Bil- in Birmingham, yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> Thanks very much. That's, is this so, related yeah. to the um stuff we were talking about a few weeks ago, where you were up on the roof doing panoramics? Yes, that is exactly what it was from. Yeah. Ah, awesome. So. Um, Thanks very much. Um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to doing that. The client are lovely, and uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed doing the, you know, going and doing the sort of artist mock-up and artist impression as well. So they asked me to go along um, to to basically get a bit of a, a better idea of from my initial proposal. So it would give me more of a chance to try a few things out. And um, me being me, I was like, right, well, I'll just bring along my camera and gonna have a go. Let's see what we can make from that. So, um, so I did scrabble around on the rooftop as you remembered uh, in Birmingham and got a couple of um, uh, panoramic well uh, shots that will be panoramic because I will stitch them together that kind of thing um, uh, I was shooting with my my pinhole um, Ilford Obscura um, 4x5 um, paper negs um, so I'll probably be doing the like lobby artwork over mm-hmm. a few different floors 
Um, and I'm thinking I'll take those and actually convert them into cyanotypes. So uh, it will be a bit of a combination between pinhole and cyanotypes and, uh, and whether I do it as positive or negative or a combination of the two. And I might look at maybe adding some of their, their own floor plans like blueprints into the mix as well. So those are my sort of initial ideas. So I'm looking forward to, to seeing how that goes. So that'll probably be about a month's worth of work. Um, and uh, I think they now they've made the decision, I think they want to do it relatively quickly. So <laughs> yes. um, hopefully I'll try and get way. that done. Yeah, hopefully I'll try and get that done before Christmas. So uh, yeah, so that's exciting. Um, uh, that so really it's is. a bit, again, been another busy week and uh, um and it was just lovely to get to get that message to say that that was happening so uh, now i need to get my thinking cap on now i said i can do all these things i need to do them no that is <laughs> oh, that's God. so exciting yeah. that's um the the business that it's for I and mean, this is really optimistic is it a business that people can kind of wander into and have a mooch around once it's done or is it very much closed off offices well no it is in the um sort of uh, public spaces if you like it's not necessarily building you go into all the t- you know like a member of the public would go into all the time but mm. if you're in the building you can wander around and it's sort of like it'll be in like lobby areas and that kind of thing so it'll be nice and it'll be seen by quite a few people i think so yeah looking oh, forward to that that's great well congratulations Rachel. that that is really Very wonderful good. news and I, I cannot wait to see the results of this and there's Thanks. some other I'll, I'll probably yeah, sorry. I was going to say I'll probably be talking to uh, Tom uh, Thomas at uh, OpenAI as well about um, you know making large large format type um, prints, you know, to be able to uh, for display purposes because he was very excited about that. He li- he likes uh, discussing how you display all these things, doesn't he? So uh, yeah, so I'll probably be sending an email off to him and going, Thomas, please help. <laughs> I can't imagine um, anybody who could be more helpful than Thomas. He was wonderful. It was great to chat to him I- last week. <laughs> It's lovely. Um, sorry, yes, you were you were asking me another question. So you've also <laughs> got a couple of uh, very exciting things coming up, haven't you? So what's coming up other than that? Oh, yes. Yeah. So in the next week or so, I'm going to be going and doing a bit of filming for the uh, a wonderful sounding um, place called the Idle Women's Institute, <laughs> which I was like, this sounds so cool. Um, they are currently running um, dystopian car mechanics for women as workshops um, and would like a female um, photographer, filmmaker to come along and, uh, and create a video for them. So uh, I'm going to be going along there and filming that. And uh, yeah, look forward to seeing what what happens in a dystopian car mechanic workshop <laughs> I'm so I will report so back <laughs> I, I, I you you showed me the poster for this and my initial yeah. reaction was oh I want to go why can't I be a woman I want to be a woman it's not fair <laughs> it looks great it's like well if you want to be able to fix up a car once you know the end of the world has come like I do I want to go and do that with you guys <laughs> oh I don't want to go and do it with blokes Same. who know what they're doing oh, and and the, <laughs> the final thing on your list of things to talk about Rich because I think it's the thing we need to really hit hard here to drive the message out what what's happening next week it's my birthday it's my birthday, <laughs> it's my birthday. Yay. Yay. um so I, I put that on the uh rachel's news because uh i was i was forced to make a list today because my husband was like come on what on earth do you want i was like like plenty of films so um i've put some cosmo photo on there some silbera some polaroid originals some instax wide monochrome my friend actually has been over to new york and i said very specifically, please bring me back some Instax wide monochrome because I can't wait to get shooting with that. So um, fingers crossed that, uh, that I might get a little parcel of that through the post, which would be amazing. Um, 
and uh, and I'm excited hopefully to get some um, Pan F as well because I shot that actually for the first time Pan F 50 um, plus 50 uh, I shot that for the first time when I went away to Italy in the summer um, for the uh, for the wedding photography workshop that I was doing there and uh, I just absolutely loved that I think was that was that yours? You know, um, was yeah, that, that was from Aid? Because no. you no, sent me the Velvia. Aid. Yes, yeah. No, no, I, yeah, I, yeah, sorry. I sent you both. Aid's good for what? Aid, yeah. Aid probably sent you some hot garbage. No, he's like, not I, not he you. He sent me some portrait. No, he sent me some beautiful portrait. Oh, um, but yes, no, thank you so much. It was um, it was entirely da- your fault um, that I've now fallen in love with this. Unfortunately, you know, being ISO 50, we don't get that much chance to use it here. But, um, you know, I could push it, obviously. So, um, so yeah, it was... Very grateful, Rach, because out of all the things on that list, that is the only one he stands much of a chance of getting hold of. So Cosmo Photo, nope. Silvera, <laughs> no. Polaroid Originals, maybe. Instax Wide Mono, no. But Pan F, he actually will be able to order and get you some by <laughs> next Tuesday. Ah, well, yeah. you're a terrible person. Terrible. It's fine. It's fine. To be fair, as long as it's on the list, I don't mind because it means I can stretch my birthday out. So I'll just get all these little like surprise parcels um over the next you know few weeks or months as as these uh, new films come to market so uh, yeah looking forward to that talking of surprise parcels oh right you see did you like segue. my segue well done right you're, you're off that segue of the year you, award aren't you <laughs> exactly well you told me off last week for messing it up talking about the ball pit so um <laughs> so i thought i would try my best this week to make sure there was a nice segue into the next section that you're going to talk about now. That was a beautiful segue and and yes we have got, l- listeners I, I feel a little bit guilty because I, I do feel a bit like we're we're pinching um, the FPP's stick of opening parcels on there but in fairness this week they pinched our stick of letting the end of their podcast turn into a rambly disintegration of a show so I feel it's all fair in love <laughs> and war and <laughs> we have got a parcel here. <laughs> rambling disintegration that's definitely our usp isn't it (laughs) yes exactly how dare they how dare um we have got a parcel here sent to us from the lovely angela solis i haven't opened yet um the parcel this is you know it's going to be good when one the tape around the outside has all got pictures of cameras on it so cool it's (gasps) it's got she's got a stamp that has a tlr on it she stamped it and uh, on the um the international packaging thing it says what's inside candies so hang on a second that's because this is the closest rachel's ever going to get to um being aware of these is hearing me opening them let's have a look this is so mean it's like slow candy torture yeah chinese candy torture (laughs) they're less well-known one Um, because it sounds like quite a good metal band that (laughs) (laughs) wow this is really well oh my goodness i don't think i've ever seen so many delicious looking candies in my life Okay. Oh. <clears throat> There's a lovely letter. Uh, oh, I, I particularly love it <laughs> because it starts off, Hello, Abe, Graham and Rachel. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> he's, he's been gone three weeks and his name's already forgotten. <laughs> also known as the Sunbeams. As promised, yeah. please enjoy this small box of treats from Canada. The semi-legendary toffee coffee crisp... Um, uh, is not really the same as Toffee Crisp, but still yummy, as well as pa- some packets of OMGs. Oh, I have yes, all- <laughs> this is the one I was waiting for. Oh yeah, there's, there's, uh, oh, there's one packet for me. Uh, there's another packet for me. Oh, and in here, there's a third packet for me. I can't believe it. <laughs> Very oh, yeah. kind, and and yeah, oh, <laughs> and love. Oh boy, 
well, that's my dinner sorted for the next three weeks. Um, I have also <laughs> included three rolls of film for you guys to share. So not sure how you want these distributors. Thank you very much. So let's see what we've got in here. So we have got, oh, there's some Lucky Colour Super 200. Uh, hang on, I'm going to open this back. I can't see what the other ones are. Oh, this is very exciting, isn't it, everybody? Uh, great, great audio. There are some Kodak High Definition 400 HD4. And, yeah, this is great audio. Like I said, FPP have been making bank out this for years. It's fine. And in this box, we have some Ferrania Solis 200. So there you go. A lovely selection of films. Thank you so much. We will fight like cat and dog over these at some point in the future. Um, and Back to the film Ferrania for me, please. <laughs> uh, well, I, you know, I'll see how the mood... I mean, if you ever see any of this, Rachel, be, uh, I suppose it's your birthday next week. <laughs> yeah. I can't be mean to you yeah. because it's your birthday next week. Um, I promise, Angela. And I will I'm, cry. <laughs> Uh, I won't listen though. Um, um, I promise I will make sure that this stuff all gets carefully divided out because um, hopefully we're going to see each other before Christmas. And so even if I don't post it to them, and if I might not eat it before then, I will make sure it gets them. Thank you so much for that, Angela. Um, I cannot wait to try these OMGs. They do look absolutely delicious. Uh, you know what? Thank you, Andrew. Yeah. It's lovely. Really uh, lovely. Go on. I, I'm just reading what it says here. Do you want to describe this? They describe chocolatey graham clusters with almonds and toffee bits. There you go. It's a chocolatey <laughs> graham cluster. <laughs> Who doesn't want that in their life? I mean, literally everybody, <laughs> I'm guessing. <laughs> yeah. We Isabel, gonna... I think we, we were okay without some chocolatey graham clusters in our life. <laughs> OMG. We are going to take another quick break and then we'll be right back with your emails. <laughs> We have got a great selection of emails this week, and I'm going to kick it off with one from Rob Poole. Rob writes, Hi guys, I don't know if you've ever checked out my website, but I do interviews with photographers, share their work, etc. I'm doing one at the moment with Jacob Murphy about his Mexico City print offer. Any chance you could give it a shout out? Absolutely we can. Um, I don't get many visitors, but I like to showcase the work of lesser-known photographers. Enjoy your podcast, which is currently keeping me company on dark autumn dog walks. Best wishes from Rob. Uh, Rob's website is www.robertpool, that's pool with an E on the end, photography.com. And it is a really nice website. Um, and he's got uh, articles he's written himself there, as well as interviews and conversations with um, other different photographers. And absolutely check it out. I've had a read through some of the stuff on there. Um, and it's great. Uh, the most recent one, as he said, is the conversation with Jacob Murphy. Um, if you enjoy things like the um, emulsive interviews, um, you will love this stuff. Um, they're great, really nice examples of the photographer's work. Um, the Jacob Murphy one's got lovely street photography um, going on down there. So yeah, please do check it out, listeners. If you want to find some interesting photographer's work out there, um, Robert Paul's website, well worth a look. As I said, robertpoolphotography.com check it out um, and read up and yeah I really like uh, Jacob's work so um, just look at it just for that alone and then enjoy everything else that's there uh, Rachel you're going to take the next one from our good buddy Toby Vandervelde who incidentally is already trying to, trying to steal away that Leica he's like uh, hey, hey Mish can I uh? like no no Toby just no 
<laughs> step away. Hands Rick. off. <laughs> and, and also, you're now trying that trick as well. So you all of you, step away, back away. I pinched it. It's I mine. did. I was going to say, I didn't mean to ask. Does Does Hamish know that he actually lent it to you, or did you just stealthily sneak it away? He's got a, he's got loads of likers, right? He, so he, he probably was, wouldn't notice yeah. if he lost one. He was very hungover. <laughs> I mean, you know, okay. I'm not saying he doesn't know. I'm just well, he does know now. So he does um, now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> On Thursday, all will become clear and he will know where it went. Um, okay, so Toby, anyway, so on, on to Toby's email. He says, yo, bimmers, <laughs> which I, like I assume he means sunbeams, but yeah. as school speak, <laughs> street speak. Um, yo, bimmers, um, I haven't emailed you recently, <clears throat> sorry, as I've been busy weeping tears of frustration over my ceramic pinhole camera. A batch of fogged paper really set me back quite significantly. And I have been obviously following Toby's uh, progress with this. Um, and uh, yeah, he's been he's been busy trying to make his ceramic pinhole camera work. So he's obviously been busy, frustrated with that. But now he's come back to us with an email to say, I'm very pleased to say I've identified the trouble in my box of Agfa FBMC. And I'm now making images that are pleasing to me at least. My ceramicist wife is also chuffed. So I should at this point um, say that I was clearly right calling his wife a ceramicist. Yes. I um, agreed. This was one of those rare occasions Aid where I wasn't was wrong. most confused. Yeah. <laughs> Aid was like, eh, what's that, a potter? But no, ceramicist. Um, so he says, I now have a backlog of paper eggs from my Hasselblad and the CPC to get digitising with and some film as well. It's very foggy. This sorry, excuse my voice. <clears throat> it's my uh, my. It's very what's it, very froggy this um, morning. <laughs> it is very froggy. It's very froggy in my throat. It's very foggy this morning where I am. Uh, says Toby, and I should be out with a nice roll of Ilford um, Delta three um, three thousand two hundred, capturing the atmos. But I'm eating coffee and drinking crumpets instead. Apparently, um, hope aid continues to remain ravine free, and and that the Nikons are doing the business. Oh, yeah, because he took two, didn't he? So we'll see if uh, both of them manage to survive the trip when he gets back. He says, Thomas Dukes' interview was very interesting. Uh, I've made a couple of photo books in the past. They're great to look at, much better than pictures on a screen. Um, so good to know that he's actually printing out as well, which is lovely. Um, I'm using the blurb stroke Lightroom function to put another one together at the moment. He says, how about, as a suggestion, that a Sunny 16 podcast zine is made? Ooh, all your listeners could contribute a pic to it, maybe. Just a thought. Anyways, here's to next Thursday's episode. Keep clicking. Tobe. There's yep. some great stuff in there. Uh, did you see, uh, obviously you said you did, um, I did see his successful picture of a log uh, that he took with his um, ceramic camera. It came out really yes, well. he's done some... He's done some of um, maybe an aloe plant as well or something, um, one of his house plants or a couple of house plants as well. So, uh, yeah, starting to get some uh, results from that, which sound which sound great. He, I think he was just using an angle poise light mm. and they were about two hour exposures or something. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, um, it's uh, something to set up of an evening, I think, rather than uh, try and take a quick snapshot. Yeah. <laughs> Isabel, have you ever mucked around with pinhole? Because, you know, the, the, the feel of your work um, it certainly seems like it might lend itself towards that style of photography. Yeah, well, I've actually tried it before and I'm, I'm currently trying it again in a 6x12 format, which is something I haven't used for a long, long time. So, um, mm -hmm. yep, I just posted, I think, two weeks ago or so. I posted the first few pictures on, on Twitter and I had people guessing before I shot 
um, which film I was putting in. But <laughs> nobody guessed it. No, oh, okay. Well, there you go, listeners. There's a challenge. Find that post on Twitter and good luck with that because Twitter and then see if you can guess correctly. I'm going to guess um, uh, Fuji FP300B, uh, which is a pack film, which it definitely couldn't be. So I, I want to be as wrong as it's possible to be. Uh, nope. <laughs> nope, it was actually Provia. Fuji Provia 100F. Oh, I love Provia. Oh. That's I have never film. started before, so I thought new camera, new film, mm-hmm. perfect combination. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. It's always good to have as many variables as possible. I'm a big <laughs> fan of that approach. <laughs> Some, something's not working. I have no idea what it could possibly be. Yeah, doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this idea, Rach, of a, a zine, this is actually mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. that we kind of Aid and I bandied about. because uh, oh, yeah, because it's you know 27 zine. Um, mm-hmm. We. Uh, um, uh, I like the idea. I I, th- I think it's good. I mean, I don't know whether uh, people will be up for sort of contributing images. The only thing is, it seems like it's quite a lot of work. <laughs> the end. <laughs> <laughs> and you're so lazy, Graham. That's why. Um, yeah. No. Uh, the definitely. In theory, this sounds wonderful, and I, you know, it makes me go, "Oh yeah, something, a new project, something else to take on." And then I go, "Oh god." <laughs> um so yes i i would love to it, it all sounds wonderful if um it's just about obviously the time and making sure that it happens and like you say the uh the, the effort and, the, and what have you do pulling it together so it's not a no it's a maybe it's a maybe we'll speak to aid when he gets back and see if he can help <laughs> yeah, it's a um, it's a maybe we'll see if somebody gets in touch and says oh i've got some free time maybe i could help out with this <laughs> that's, yeah, that's exactly. what it is so um but yeah well let us know guys if that's the thing that you would be interested in um and uh interested in contributing to i do think obviously... it's a lovely idea yeah i think it's a lovely yeah, idea it's too. a lovely idea and um you know obviously in terms of um having it on screen and being able to see our, all our work sort of as separate websites and separate sort of like areas like Flickr and what have you um that's great online but there is something really special about having a, a zine itself or seeing prints on a wall you know and previously I had thought about you know the idea of um there being like a small exhibition or something you know obviously Graham uh, sorry you're Graham aid went to um an exhibition in uh, London, I think with Sandeep actually. Um, and he was talking about how the, the gallery owner, because it was in a cafe in London, and they was really, really helpful, very friendly, and basically said, yes, it was that they'd come to them and said, we'd like to do a, um, I think it was the Film Shooters Collective, that they had their own sort of like mini exhibition that they put up in this cafe. And I thought, well, something like that, perhaps we could get in touch with a space and, and see if we could go for an exhibition. But yeah, maybe the zines are sort of like good interim sort of media, uh, you know, sort of like way, way in uh, a first as a first sort of ditch attempt at trying it out. Maybe. We will look into it. Somebody will look into it. <laughs> watch this face but don't watch it too closely because not a lot might happen <laughs> have, have you thanks I mean, very much for the suggestion toby <laughs> yes thank you toby as long as you're prepared to do all the work we are absolutely on board um, is it, i know you're saying you've got into doing the, the book binding so is making a zine the thing that you've ever tried or thought about doing I think it's probably not that different, actually, from my book because it's uh, it's uh, I don't have a hardcover or anything. I didn't like that idea. I wanted it very 
the same thing. I wanted it soft and dreamy. So um, it's probably rather a mix between a zine and a, and a book when you look from the, from the outside. But um, the real binding of uh, more than just uh, 20, 30 pages that, um, yep, but there are some experts on Twitter that uh, might be able to help there, I think. I was just thinking of uh, Let's Explore magazine or so. Uh, there you go, mm. Rach. You've got some. You've got some connections out there. You can lean on. <laughs> there you go. Absolutely. Um, I will definitely be speaking to Killian from Let's Explore Magazine. He, he's produced a beautiful, beautiful publication, and uh, and hopefully at some point we'll uh, we'll come on to that as well. Yes. Yes. Let's hope so. Um, got a quick one here with a quick question. So this is from uh, Martin Scarn, who writes, "Hello, Sunbeams. I have a question. See, I told you, I can't seem to find <laughs> a definite answer after a little research. So he's got in touch with us because we have the world expert on cyanotypes here with us. Uh, Rachel, are cyanotypes light fast or not? Will toning the prints prints uh, improve <laughs> the light fastness? Please." You're the expert. Please, can you give us the definitive answer on this? Okay, my definitive answer is I'm not the expert, but thank <laughs> you very much for dropping me in it, Graham. Um, my, uh, I actually had a conversation with Isabel, didn't we, before before we uh, started recording, which turned out to not have recorded, but then we also did record, um, which uh, our conversation went along the lines of, um, Isabel, do you, do you know if they're light fast or not? And she was like, I'm not sure either. <laughs> So um, my definitive answer is I'm not sure. Um, the the reason that's for it, much. exactly. So Isabel's not either. So that's okay. I said to her, she had to just back me up in my <laughs> vagueness of knowledge. <laughs> um, I'm ever so sorry, Martin. I can't give you a, a definitive answer. Uh, the reason being that um, I only really started making cyanotypes in the last sort of three or four years. So. Uh, in terms of them being light fast for life, uh, it's a little bit difficult to answer. And I realised that maybe we'd need to get somebody on board who is a little bit older and perhaps had done cyanotypes maybe 20, 30 years ago for us to be able to tell whether they were still light fast um, after 20, 30 years, uh, rather than my two, three years of, um, oh, yes, well, these are still as they were at that time, because that's not exactly light fast. Um, equally, I couldn't really tell you whether the toning would improve that or, or you know, sort of degrade it quicker. So, uh, so we need somebody who's much older and able to give us those answers. That was my thinking. I am going to throw out there, okay, because I'm real good at the internet. Um, and I have just found a picture, um, a cyanotype taken from a scan, obviously, um, from a book uh, which was made in 1843 with a cyanotype in it. Um, so they obviously last a little while. Um, and that, that is, hang on a second, I'll see if I can see who the artist is there. Um, it is Anna Atkins, who was apparently making cyanotypes way back when. So real, real old person. Um, I think she might be dead now. Um, but yeah, so the, there's when... pictures of her cyanotypes. So they, I mean, obviously these are in books. So they are kept yes. well away from the light. So um... that's the, I mean, that's the other thing, isn't it? You know, obviously all of these things have an effect on it. You know, whether it was hung up on a wall in you know sort of direct sunlight you know and how long it would last in those circumstances is going to be obviously very different from whether it's a print that's kept in an album closed away from light so you know all of these things will, will definitely change it I mean in theory there's no reason why it should 
you know completely fade because it's it's dyeing the fabric or it's dyeing the fibers of the paper and then obviously when you fix it it basically is washing off the residual chemicals um but yeah it, like you say you know if that was from 18 1840 1850s or something uh as you say, it's lasting quite a long time, um, but I don't know when the the actual cyanotype has had the uh, photograph taken of it. I suppose relatively recently, in order for it to become it be published in a book. Do you know? Well, no, or was it online, Graham? Sorry, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's online. It's, oh, okay. like, it's, it's a photo from a book that has been scanned in. Also, it's interesting, like you were mentioning earlier, Rach, about this thing that you're doing for the commission, because you know, blueprints mm-hmm. and stuff like that. I mean. They're blue because they were cyanotypes, yep. and they're, 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 a lot yep. of those are still kicking around. You know, you can find scans of those on the internet. So there are mm-hmm. some that have been around a long time. But the thing that comes up over and over again is the fact that um, they have been probably stored away. Um, looking at a picture now yep. of a blooming tree by Arthur Wesley Dow, um, a cyanotype photograph, circa nineteen hundred. Um, that one looks as though it may have actually been out in the world. Um, as opposed to just tucked away, because you can see some browning to the paper. Um, and there is mm. some fading to the image, but it's still pretty true to type, you know, maybe not quite as strong. So I, I think, you know, they'll they'll probably last a good long while, as long as they're well done and well washed. So, um, But mm. um, what do I know about cyanotypes? It's an interesting question. And uh, obviously, if any of our listeners have a, a more definitive um, answer than, uh, for, for Martin, then please get in touch. That would be great. Well, I'd, as, I'd be interested to know. Yeah, as you said, Rach, if you're listening to this and you're really old and you took made it sound <laughs> like a long time ago, please get in touch. That would be great. Um, the next email we've got is from Ronnie Brandon, um, new emailer, which is great. Love getting new emailers. Um, Dearest Sunbeams. Ah, great. Um, greetings from Sunny Wirral. Uh, isn't that isn't that a contradiction in terms? Um, I just wanted to drop you a line to say how much I've been enjoying the show since Rachel pointed me in the direction of the podcast a couple of months ago. It was nice to hear a bit of Scouse this week too. Uh, yeah, like well, we allow some Northerners on here. You know, we can't feel like we have to. Um, as something of a misanthrope, reclusive Luddite, yay! Hence the analog photography. I tend to avoid social media at all costs, so no Facebook, Instagram, etc. I did, however, sign up to uh, Lomography a while back since I was shooting a Diana. The site attracted me as being exclusively film based, and my love hate relationship with Lomo hadn't yet begun. I think everybody has a love hate relationship with Lomography, don't they? It's never straight. There's usually a tipping point, yeah. <laughs> mm. um, and uh, Ronnie's included the link, the link to his Lomo home, which I will put in the show notes. But be warned, don't hang around there too long. They're after your cash and your soul, and not necessarily in that order. Film-based Scientology analogies aside, I wondered if you might have any ideas for the potential repurposing of old Polaroid pack cameras. I have a couple of packs of FP3000B in the fridge waiting for a worthy project to use them on before they become too expired. After that, my Polaroid automatic 340S is useless. There must be hundreds of thousands of these cool old land cameras that are now defunct, thanks to Fuji robbing us of pack film and foisting in stacks on us instead. I really like Robbie. Um, <laughs> Robbie, Ronnie, having set the cat amongst the pigeons, are there any ideas to how to keep these cameras shooting? Um, I will come back to in a second. It's only a couple of years since I picked up a camera for the first time and became smitten, but Fuji aside... 
things are already looking so much healthier for film shooters than they were those couple of years ago. My camera shelf has swelled somewhat in that time too, now groaning under the weight of a recently added Polaroid SX70, which he got for 11 quid on eBay. <gasps> That must be record. Bloody hell. You're not making any friends here, Ronnie. Um, and my first proper medium format camera, a Roly Cord 4, that I've been running my first roll through this week. Awesome. Uh, I look forward Yay. to seeing some, uh, I look forward to never seeing some results from that unless you email them to us because you hate social media. It's all helped <laughs> along by you guys. So thanks and keep at it. And, um, Yes, so you can find, uh, maybe we can even find some of his um, Roly work at his uh, Lomography site, which is, I think, he's the futurist on Lomography. Um, anyway, Rach, you and I, we did a quick bit of a look, didn't we, for what can be done mm -hmm. with old um, cameras. Yeah, um, found a YouTube video and actually quite an interesting um, blog post, which was... Um, from polaroidland.net um, and there's one part one particular post which is polaroid stacks dash in stacksroid <laughs> my new favorite hybrid uh, maybe because my voice as you can probably tell is about to go <laughs> maybe you could talk us through it graham <clears throat> yeah um there is as you said th this was a talk all about um how this exact problem had uh, come up for somebody else um and he was able to get hold of a modified um instant camera um so yes there is a way forward with these and there is uh, a gentleman i don't know if it's a gentleman there are there's somebody out there who is modifying old polaroid cameras not just the pack film cameras but also the roll film cameras um and his website their website is instantoptions.com um there is loads of information there. We only found it just before the show, so we have barely had time to dip into it. But there is information there on how to do modifications yourself. Um, they, he's also selling stuff. Um, there's a whole lot of stuff on there. So um, I think, let's see, there's also Facebook, Flickr, and etc. links on there. So if this, I mean, and this is something that actually I'm thinking about because I have a uh, a Polaroid 110 land camera, which has um, two. That was my stomach. In case anybody heard that, that's my stomach rumbling. I don't. Was it your stomach? Yeah. I heard that all the way from <laughs> Liverpool. Did you hear that, Isabel? Yes. All the way from Denmark. <laughs> <laughs> the roar that went round the world. Grief. Yeah. You, have you eaten that whole bag of OG, OMGs already? <laughs> yeah. Is that what that was? Yes, I'm afraid it is. I'm afraid. Well, not just the one bag. They've all gone now. Um, so, yeah, so <laughs> my stomach aside, yeah, so I said, I've got one of these cameras and it's really heartening to hear that there might be a way forward from this. Um, I have no idea um, how much it's going to cost or anything like that, but I am absolutely going to look into getting, seeing if I can send my camera away and get it repurposed if it's not going to be too crippling and expensive because otherwise once i've shot the last two or three frames of fp 3000b that's in there at the moment that's me done i know i'm never going to mm -hmm. buy any more because the price of that film has just got too high um and especially with the black and white it's too old and it's unreliable at this point you that stuff does not keep well so either it gets converted or it becomes an ornament and i don't want that um and i'm damn sure my better half doesn't want that either so um yes as i said instantoptions.com have a look there there's how-to guys there's a great long list of all the different cameras but it could be a good way of rebuilding these things left out in the cold by um fuji god bless them 
Um, so yes, thank you very much. That was an interesting question and one that was interesting to find, to find the answer for. Um, Rachel, you want to take the next one from John Burns? Sure. So um, John gets in touch and says, greetings, Sunbeam. Oh, just one of us, apparently. Yep. <laughs> one beam. <laughs> um, <laughs> he says, I am the owner of a new, well, 1977 vintage Zorki 4K rangefinder camera. <clears throat> I've been after one for a while and finally secured mine after one bid too many on eBay. <laughs> Uh-oh. Um, he says, it arrived quickly and it's nice and clean too. So that's great news. He says, I've put a roll of Fomapan 100 through it and so far so good. But a spy camera, it will never be, even if it is Russian, <laughs> um, USSR. The shutter is so damn noisy. Stealthy, sh- sorry, hang on. I'll try again. <clears throat> Stealthy street shooting is out of the window. People turn around to see what made the weird noise. <laughs> um, I even recorded it for you to bleep out for the odd profanity on the show. Oh, thank you very much, John. Uh, the recording is actually the shutter followed by the wind on. He says, I posted a few of the Zorki images in the Sunny 16 Flickr group for you to see. You'll notice that my framing is off by some of the shots. Sorry, is off for some of the shots. There are no framing lines in the viewfinder. So you kind of just guess and shoot and then watch everybody turn around and look at you (laughs) because you made a weird noise. Um, He says, keep up with podcasting. I'm looking forward to hearing about the Bhutan trip. I think we all are. We're very excited to have uh, aid back hopefully next week uh, to hear about that. Thanks for getting in touch, John. Um, it sounds like a very interesting camera. Um, Graham, do you have one of these or have you had experience with the Zorki? No, I haven't. <clears throat> Rangefinder camera? No, the the, own, the close I've got is my Kiev rangefinder, um, mm. which is um, the Ukrainian <laughs> piece of uh yeah russian metal junk um yeah I, is I, that equally noisy uh, it, it wasn't a seamless shooting experience i've only ran one lot of film through it um so far um and uh i don't remember it being the most fun shooting experience um but you know i i'd like to say i'm probably going to give it another go fairly soon um but the zorkies i know a few people have bought the zorkies i know cole miller who did the um polaroid uh, review oh, for yes. us last week i know he's got one um because they're they're a good cheap rangefinder option, and now just they were a copy of um, I can't remember whether it's the Leicas or the the contacts cameras that when um, they look when, pretty, yeah, they do. <laughs> you know, when the war was over, and um, a lot of these designs got taken away from Germany and got you know as reparations, the Russians took them and started making these nowhere near as good copies. Um, but they did; they look really nice, and as is so often the case with Russian cameras, the glass in them is often really good. They've got really nice lenses that can make really nice pictures. The shooting experience often leaves a little to be desired. Um, so, um, yeah, I'll be very interested to hear how John gets on with his in the long run. But, uh, yeah, I, I know I certainly found that there are just a few things about my Kiev that just made it a little bit um, cumbersome to use. Um, the, the, the patch in the viewfinder wasn't very good and yet you know it's quite young not very clear um you have to be quite careful uh, if i remember correctly you have to wind on before you adjust the shutter um speed if you do it the other way around you can just break everything so you have to be quite wary of that as well um Mm -hmm. and uh yeah but you know they're fun they are fun so great no likers that's for sure 
Okay, last one. Um, Do you want to give us the next one then? Yes, yeah. <clears throat> this uh, is our last email for today. Okay. This is, it's, it's quite a long one, but it's a really interesting one. Um, and it's about mm. a kind of camera that we really haven't talked about at all on here before. Hello, Sunbeams. This is such a great start. I'm so glad this is caught on. <laughs> I discovered Sunny 16 last summer and have been enjoying it ever since. You're great company on my otherwise tedious commute. I've even been catching up on episodes I missed. I recall at least one of you cringing when someone else said that, but I think they're quite lovely. I mean, I do cringe. <laughs> I, I cringe when I think about anybody listening to the nonsense we spout. Um, I'm writing to let you know that 127 Day is about a month away on December the 7th, or in my Native America, the 12th 7th, because they do their dates the wrong way around. And to invite <laughs> you and your listeners to celebrate with 127 Film Photography. Did you know there's a 127 day? I did not. There are actually... I did not. Did no. you, Isabel? Did you? Nope. Never heard of it. Okay, well, we're all going to learn something here. So this is going to be great. Yeah. Um, there are actually three 127 days a year. In addition to December the 7th, there's January 27th, one, the 1st of the 27th in America, and the 12th of July. That's 12-7 if you're European. They're really getting the best out of this. I'm very impressed with that. <laughs> Um, 127 Day has been a thing since at least 2004, according to CameraWiki.org. There's a Flickr group, but it's pretty inactive to say the least. Well, it's a Flickr group then. Um, I enjoy this quirky format. I use a Kodak Brownie Fiesta plastic camera. I am the original owner, which I think what oh. we're learning, <laughs> we've got an age bearing on this. Um, so, um, uh, a Yogi Bear plastic one one two seven camera, which I oh my god, I didn't know that was a thing until I just read that, and now I want it more than anything. A Yogi Bear, <laughs> that's camera. amazing. Um, <gasps> that's so cool. And there's a link in here to a, fo a photo he made in in the upcoming Holger and Friends out of the box exhibition at Tammy Chroma Photo in Damaso Dallas. So I'll include the link to that. Um, a Yashica forty four TLR. Because, um, of course, you know, there were some actually quite high-end film cameras made that used 127 format. So I decided to start a site dedicated to 127 film photography at 127film.blogspot.com. The site exists to be friendly worldwide virtual community for sharing inspiration and information about this often neglected format. After each 127 day, the 127 Film Photography publishes an online exhibition of... I'm saying 127 a lot. I'm just gonna, let's just assume that I'm talking about 127 um, of photos taken on the day. I invite you and your listeners to submit one, one picture taken on December the 7th with safe content, so no butts or boobs in there, guys. Um, all submissions <laughs> will be included. Details about the day are on the page at 127 Film Photography, and like I said, there'll be a link in the show notes. Here are the specifics. Um, one email, one JPEG file. Uh, these, are, these specifics are quite detailed. I won't go through all those. I will put those in the show notes also. So um, if this sounds like a thing which you're interested in, which you absolutely should, check out those details there. Um, and like I said, you can find out more information about all of this at 127film blogspot.com um, all of these links will be in the show and one yeah 127 film photography I think those links yeah that's that's the place to go blogspot.com uh, happy photographing from JM Golding um, 
Thank you very much for getting in touch with that because that is not a thing I knew about before. We knew about Holger Day and Polaroid Week and um, Pinhole Day and all these other things. But, but 127, it is a bit of an unloved format, isn't it? Um, Bless. Yeah. yeah, despite the fact that I, there are a lot of camps made. I think I've got about 16 of them myself, to be honest. And, yeah. <laughs> and I honestly don't I know. know if I've ever <laughs> shot with any of them. Have you as well? As well. I see, we find out so much, you know, we're just basically the same person, help me. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't think I've actually had a chance to shoot with any of them. Um, I have got um, a couple of the converting sort of like little adapters so that I could use 120 film. Uh, but One, yeah, no, it's... You, uh, you couldn't use 120 film, Rachel. You got adapters so you can use 35 mil film not 120 no adapter is going to fit a bigger roll of film into a smaller camera no oh sorry i'm very ill i'm very ill today you'll have to excuse me oh god i'm gonna blame it on that um yeah i was yeah sorry all right you take over from here <laughs> i'm just gonna go to sleep well, oh god i mean I, 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 that's the thing as you know, rachel and isabel are both saying these cameras a lot of them were made i mean and a lot of them were just like real basic plastic cameras so there's a lot of them out there in the world that you can pick up for nothing i've actually got in front of me um a brownie 127 camera which is sort of this ubiquitous baker like camera um it has a button and you press it and it does that then that's it there's nothing else to do on it um and then the far more modern and um oh far, far fancier brownie 44a camera which looks significantly more modern uh, i think it has exactly the same lens this has two apertures so that's quite fancy and the one button Ooh. and it does that um they're very basic um you can get some 127 film these days um not often i know that nick and trick photography have had some in the past i think um the guys over at fpp might have had some in the past as well um because it, the people can roll it if they get the backing tape the more easy and perhaps more common way to use them if you want to is to essentially jam in a roll of 35 millimeter. Um, you can get adapters for it. Is that what I was talking about? Maybe that's what I was meaning. Yes. Probably. I might have those. So, yeah. Sorry, Graham. Yes. I, I think that's what I was meaning. I definitely have something that works to yeah. adapt some yeah. film that we currently have <laughs> yeah. to fit in a 127 camera, but I don't, I haven't actually had a chance to do that yet. So, no. Uh, yeah. And to be honest, <sighs> even, even if you don't have the adapters, as long as you've got one spool the take-up spool because they're they are mm. um was it 46 millimeters long they're, 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 they usually come with at least one don't they in the camera from that's been, obviously been left over usually yeah <clears throat> so you can you get a 35 mil canister tape the end onto that spool and you can kind of wedge the canister in using packing peanuts or something like that to hold it in place as long as you don't bung it up so much so that you can tell from experience that I've done this cowboy job in the past with another camera this very cute little SEMA camera that got really stuck um but you can shoot it the, the um it's got visions of you packing gummy bears in the back or something now whatever you've got oh, and whatever works um but yeah if you do that you can yes. you can use them quite easily so um, maybe a recommendation find a friend who has a 3d printer d there they, you go. they can print an adapter in in minutes perfect solution find a friend who, yes that i'm is so pleased we have as isabel on the show because <laughs> she's the voice of reason when i'm ill and graham's just full of rubbish so <laughs> Can I just point out, you were the one that was recommending gummy bears, yeah, Brewster. Don't yeah. blame me for that. Um, I, I just want to say, actually, um, 
on the subject of these 40, um, the 127 cameras, a picture I saw years ago, it was a really good idea because, because a lot of them are very, very bad. I mean, they're, they're at box camera levels of basicness. Um, so there's no automatic wind on. There's, there's nothing. You, you know, there's just. Um, but with the basic Brownie 127 camera, what somebody had done, it's a gentleman on um, Flickr, and I think his name might be Tony Kemplin, but I might be getting that completely wrong. Um, I will try and find the right link to at least his Flickr page because it's fantastic. Because um, he shoots with all sorts of um, weird and wonderful cameras and takes great, interesting pictures with them. Um, anyway, what he'd done, because obviously you've got one shutter speed and one aperture, so that's very limiting. Um, and he just got his camera, um, not even a tripod mount, and he must have put it on um, a bench or something like that in the train station where it's not great light levels, and he just kept hitting the shutter over and over again. And so, of course, you gradually build up the image of the structure, but the people are like ghosts in different places every time, and it was really cool. And that picture, I saw that picture years ago, and it stuck with me as a thing, like, oh, I wanna, that's the thing I wanna do one day. So um, if you're feeling experimental and feel like doing something a bit different, dig out 127 camera. They're, like I said, you can find them really cheap everywhere, um, you know, unless you're looking for the slightly higher end ones, because um, Yoshika made a nice one. And I think Rolly did as well so um, there are some high-end ones out there um, but no that's that's really interesting and yes 127 deserves some more love um, and I, I don't know whether we'll ever see a resurgence of 127 film but maybe we should um, but yeah that's all good um, Rach you had a couple of shout outs you wanted to make at the end uh, yeah just just one actually I, it came up um, just before I came on the show uh, to record today and uh, it's from on Twitter at stig s-t-i-g underscore of the dump i don't know if you remember the children's book um on twitter anyway um is a chap on there and he is basically putting together a mersey meetup hashtag mercy meetup um in liverpool on saturday the 18th of november at one o'clock he says meet outside the mal mason hotel on the prince's dock it's a chance to meet fellow Believe in Film folk, walk, shoot and chew the fat over a drink. All welcome, he says. So um, contact him on Twitter and he says, hopefully the first of many meetups. Don't forget to bring your camera and plenty of film. So that's lovely um, that that's going to be taking place. I need to check the diary and see whether I am working that day. If I'm not, then I would love to go along if possible. Um, so if you're also interested, if you're around the Liverpool, Merseyside or general north area, um if you contact him is again it's at stig underscore of the dump on twitter and i think any listeners who are thinking of going if you want to try and persuade rachel to go maybe just like let her know that you'll have a birthday present there for her you know just just <laughs> putting that out there you know i mean that might be a motivating factor <laughs> It would be quite a motivating factor yes that and omgs <laughs> <laughs> that and omgs great selection of emails this week. I know it's a long one but there's some really interesting stuff in there um, throughout all those so thank you very much everybody for emailing in and as I keep saying at the moment if you are somebody who has not emailed in to us before especially if you are somebody who isn't on any of the social media if you're not on Instagram if you're not on Twitter or Facebook or Flickr um, you, you'll have email because everybody has access to email please drop us a line and let us know what you're doing because I would love to know. Uh, it's always lovely to hear new voices. Um, that's going to do us for this week. Isabel, thank you so much for joining us. Please let everybody know where they can find your lovely work and what you've got going on at the moment. Um, you can find me, as uh, Graham said in the beginning, at uh, www.isabelcourtis.com. 
one word, and I-S-A-B-E-L-T-U-R-D-E-S. You can also find my blog on www.changeyourview.dk for Denmark. And um, otherwise, on Twitter, Isabel.Cordes, and uh, on Instagram as well. And um, I'm especially around on Twitter, though at the moment I'm a little busy. I'm trying to organize my um, digital negatives, which is <laughs> not the nicest work, but gives me plenty of time to listen to old podcasts. Mm. There you go. <laughs> it was a pleasure to be in a new one. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, as I mentioned earlier in the show, you did also do um, a podcast um, with John Wilkening's podcast, which is called, oh, crumbs on. I was listening today and I've already forgotten what the name of his show is called. Can you remind me, please, Isabel? Because I'm sure you remember. Um, I think they. The Creative Bar. Is that it? Yes. The Creative Bar. So, yes, if you want to hear more of Isabel or and just some of the other awesome guests that John has had, um, John Wilkening, it's a great show. John has the deepest voice uh, I've ever heard in the podcast. Um, and honestly, if it wasn't for the fact that he was in conversation with Isabel, I would have assumed that my podcast app had started running slow because he does have this real <laughs> slow draw and it's very soothing to listen to. You probably shouldn't listen to John talking whilst you're driving because that might actually be worse than, you know, drinking NyQuil and going driving. Um, but it's great. And he's got lots of awesome guests on there. So do check it out. Um, and and you can also see Isabel's um, interview on Emulsive as well, on Emulsive.org, on her This Is Why I Shoot Film. <laughs> and on She Shoots Film. There and is on, yes, absolutely. And <laughs> and if you're going to connect 2018 um, in Nottingham in April, was it, Isabel? Yeah, April 2018. Perfect. Uh, and, and also, finally, apologies for completely mispronouncing your surname at the beginning of this. I thought I probably should have asked before I started and then um, didn't. So uh, apologies. <laughs> Everybody says it different. <laughs> so uh, that's fine. <laughs> lovely. Well... We want to say thanks, as always, to Chris at Pixelated Photographer to making sure that all of this works and gets out to you awesome people out there in listener land. Um, Rach, you can deal with the thanking yourself bit. <laughs> oh, thanks very much. Ah. Yes, thank you to me and my band, uh, Roja, um, for the music from our latest album, which is Promises I Should Have Kept, and you can find us on Amazon or iTunes. There you go, but not Spotify. Why not Spotify, Rach? <laughs> Well, do you know we might be on there at some point but i just i i hadn't found us on there either so uh yeah i don't really have an answer to that one sorry <laughs> too enough. busy doing this <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Okay, well, get it sorted, would you? Um, you can oh, find us at all the usual places. If you want to drop us an email, we're sunny16podcast at gmail.com. We are sunny16podcast on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. We've got a Flickr group where people like John Burns shares his lovely photos, so you can find the work of stuff like that there. And when I occasionally manage to take some pictures, they also go up on there. Uh, it's quite rare that that happens. Um, and, um, yeah, I think that's all the things that everybody needs to know next week aid will be back so we can all wait with bated breath to hear about the incredible adventures that he's been on um he's sent us a few pictures over the last few weeks um just sort of keeping us a post of what he's been up to and it certainly looks like there's been no shortage of really interesting photographic subject material so i'm really excited to see what he's come back with um he yeah, as rachel he hasn't fallen down the ravine yet so there's that um mm. So look forward to that. Look forward to hearing uh, how the hardened traveller 
come back from his long sojourn away has got on uh, and we will see you then thank you very much for listening and goodbye goodbye Bye.